This is the first recorded episode of the SF Signal podcast for 2016. It's going to be a panel. We're going to talk about the things that we loved in 2015. And my name is Patrick Hester. I'm your host. And I've got a bunch of people here, way too many, probably. But we're going to go through it anyway. We're going to start saying hello to folks. Uh, we're going to go in order of, essentially, I, I rolled for initiative and I gave everybody numbers. So we're going to go in order of that. Uh, Alvaro, say hello. Hi. Hi, I'm Oliver. Do you want a short intro too, Patrick? Yes, yes. Tell people who you are, what you do. You've been Uh, here before. You know how this works. I have. Oliver Zinus Morrow. I uh, write short fiction, essays, and reviews. I have a book out with Robert Silverberg called When the Blue Shift Comes. And uh, 2016, we'll see the publication of a book of interviews with Robert Silverberg called Traveler of Worlds, Conversations with Robert Silverberg. And uh, my stories are available in multiple markets like uh, Analog, Nature, Galaxy's Edge. And uh, one of my stories will appear in the year's best science fiction and fantasy 2016, edited by Rich Horton. Nice. Very cool. Now, I know I've asked you this before, but uh, uh, New York Times bestselling author Gail Carriger actually told me that persistence is is very key. Any chance of the, the second, uh, like the conversations with Robert Silver, any chance of the Jamie Todd, Ruben, John Donardo, Patrick Hester Robert Silverberg thing actually making it into that one, or find me the publisher and we can we can. Start. <laughs> I, I take that as a no, sadly. That's okay. <laughs> one day I'll get Donardo to come to a convention again, and and we'll relive that whole moment, like we have every other time we've ever done the podcast since the beginning. <laughs> Sarah, say hi. Hi, <laughs> I'm Sarah. I. Uh... I'm a nerd. I run reviews out of Bookworm Blues. I read everything I can. And I run the column Special Needs on in Strange Worlds, which is getting a reboot this month on SF Signal. Woohoo! Yay! Yay! <laughs> and like me, you are rav- you are currently ravenously consuming the expanse, which I ravenously consumed in twenty fifteen. <laughs> you know, and it's your fault, really, Patrick, because uh-huh. I totally forgot about that series and then you said, Hey, listen to the audiobook, and now, damn you, I can't stop. And I don't have a credit available until the fifteenth. Oh no. So- yeah, so I kind of hate you right now. <laughs> Just a little bit. You know what's really <laughs> weird? So uh, I was, I'll often sit with my mom, and, and she watches a lot of television. Jefferson Mays was on some show that she was watching. Oh, wow. He's the he's the, the narrator for yeah. most of the books, right? To yeah. see him actually acting, it was freaking me out. <laughs> I, I he was, does such a good job. He does Holy an excellent cow. job. Excellent job. So to actually see him out there acting and doing stuff, that just that was weird. He just needs to read me the expanse every night as I try to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> John Stevens. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to the successful welcome. podcast. Oh, snap. Oh, oh. Snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> that was totally aimed at Fred, actually, because he just keeps teasing. So. <laughs> I understand your your hearty rivalry that only you two really have. <laughs> well, me, him, and Sean Farrell, so good. Oh, there you go. Yep, I am here. Hello, everybody. Hi. I am, <laughs> um, how are, I am how are be- things in the book world? Book world is crazy. It's crazy. What What's like the best-selling thing right now? At my store? Yeah. My used bookstore? Yes. The biggest selling thing right now is Slaughterhouse Five. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Other than that, how are things going? 
Um, they're going okay. Yeah. Um, I am a writer, of course. I don't know why, of course, but I'm a writer. I write fiction. I write criticism. I write reviews. I write columns. I'm also hoping to reboot myself in some capacity with SF Signal this coming year. Um, and uh, I don't have anything immediately happening, but stuff is in the works. Very cool. Gail. Hello. Hi. Uh, my, hi. <laughs> my name is Gail Carragher, and I am an author, and I write novels and now novellas and a few short stories, but not a lot. And you just finished something, and that's why you have time to I come and, did. and hang out with I, us. Well, no. Uh, I was actually, while everyone was gossiping before the show was starting, I was actually still working. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of time right now. I, I really want to get the novella that I finished the rough on last night kind of edited a little bit before I do the edits that are actually what I'm supposed to be doing and do. But, uh, yeah, as soon as, as soon as the edits are in, I'm, I'm a free woman for most of this year, so I'm super excited about it. Awesome. I just yes. finished a novella and I actually created an ebook and I sent it to Sarah. Yes, she did. Wow. No. I'm gonna start it tonight. Oh God, I'm so nervous. <laughs> she's gonna hate it oh, and she's gonna so write a fast. she's gonna write a post. Three hours ago, you just yeah. don't know yet. <laughs> she's, gonna, she's gonna write a post talking about how much it sucks. That's what well, Pat, well, Patrick, you'll never guess what I am doing with this first novella. You're writing it in Scrivener. I am. <laughs> you did guess. It's really exciting. I uh, I am really a, a technophobe. I get really nervous about changing anything about the technology around me, and uh, I decided I would try Scrivener. And ah, I'm really loving it, which is so weird for me. We're, Very weird. But we're, I do. we're recording this on the sixth of January, and actually, I, I just. Uh, finished a deal this morning. I'm going to teach a workshop on Scrivener <gasps> in Pueblo, of all uh, freaking oh. places, in March. So where where Pueblo, Colorado? Mm. That's where the the TV used to yes. tell us to call to get things in the yes, 80s. exactly. The consumer. <laughs> and you're the, going there and you order things. Yes, the consumer guide blue book. Yeah, thing. the that's where all the government publications came out of. Exactly. Yes, that's where I'm going. I'm going to teach Scrivener to some writers down there. How cool is that? That is the greatest thing ever. I want to come. <laughs> you should. Yeah, same here. Get us. Let's take I seriously, Patrick, I seriously looked into attending Denver Comic Con this year, which is frankly not my thing, specifically so that I could <laughs> pigeonhole you and have you teach me some extra bits about Scrivener. I have offered. While I was there. I have offered. I will do it. I know. I know. But uh, Delilah, I don't know. same offer to you. I will teach people to use Scrivener. So exciting. Okay, so Jeff, say hello. I use Scrivener on Windows, so you can't help me. Yes, so. I can. I have Scrivener on Windows. I have a and piece of crap uh, and uh, Linux. I thought the Linux one was going away as of the first of the year, but it's still there. And and they they've completely overhauled the iOS version, and they're starting fresh. And so hopefully that's going to launch into 2016. Awesome. Hi, Jeff Patterson. Jeff Patterson 11 on Twitter. One of the three horsemen. I haven't done much else the last few months. As I slowly piece parts of my life back together, so I completely understand. And last but certainly not least, Darth Delilah. Hey, hello. <laughs> yes. Oh, um, I'm Delilah S. Dawson. I am uh, a writer under the name Delilah S. Dawson, and also That's Lila convenient. Bowen. That's and what? That's convenient. Having many names. No, that you said I'm Delilah Dawson, and I write under Delilah S. Dawson. 
Well, I mean, you know, there is an actual Delilah Dawson, no S, who uh, really? is a very popular black erotica writer, which is why I have to insist on the S. Like, Jonathan Mayberry announced an anthology I'm in today, and I was like, I need the S, or things will get very confusing on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> that is, okay, never mind, that's funny. She's awesome, she's super nice, like, we've gotten each other's emails, and she's always been lovely. She writes for, I think, St. Martin's. But yes, uh, so I am a writer of uh, novels, novellas, short stories, uh, and some small, carefully hidden erotica, but mostly novels. And, and you're a Jedi. Um, more of like a Mandalorian that would find a way to force choke you. <laughs> Understood. Well, I did get a lightsaber for Christmas, so Yay! it's on. One of us. It's on. Wait, what? What's the next con we're going to be at together? Are you going to confusion? I have absolutely no idea. Are you kidding me? I'm. I've planned as far as March. That's as well, confusion at the end of January. You can still go. John Horner Jacobs bought tickets on Twitter last night because of peer pressure. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. I'll have to look into it. I Where will. is it? It's in beautiful Detroit, Michigan. Oh, yeah. That's why I decided not to go. Well, Maurice, oh, it's, it's so I, fun, though. I mean, wanted to bet Maurice Broadus will be there. Oh, good. Oh, Maurice is awesome. I mean, he doesn't live that far, right? Yeah, no, he, I think Brian McClellan drives in, and um, Howard Tyler's there, and Scalzi's there, and I don't know, it's a big crew. Mm -hmm. The subterranean will be there. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming on. Uh, I know that this, I tried to get a a panel going in December, and obviously uh, some stuff happened. Mom had to have her gallbladder out, and suddenly the whole world falls out from underneath you and you're doing a bunch of crap so that didn't happen so i wanted to do a best of i know that the horsemen have already done a best of i know that sarah has done a couple of best of uh blog posts so but i I think there's still enough best of to go around don't you think Mm -hmm. of course Mm -hmm. always so do we how do uh, let me see i guess i i started to ask you guys how you want to do this but as the host i'm supposed to structure some stuff (laughs) so let's talk about best books first I'm assuming that everybody had some some favorite books in 2015. Uh, let's let's start with let's start with Gail since she just said yay. Gail, what are some <laughs> best books? Well, uh, I I just limited myself pretty closely for, to books that came out last year rather than books that I read last year that were my favorites. Okay. Um, so I just have two, and I chose Kate Elliott's Court of Fives, which is a kind of Little Women meets the Hunger Games set in an alternate Roman-occupied Egypt. And I just really, really loved it. I haven't really felt this way about a book in since I was in high school and for, first reading like Tamara Pierce and books like that. So for me, this was just... She knocked it out of the park, I think. Um, Kate is an awesome writer, but that... In young adult, she has to be tight and edited really short. And for me, with my super short attention span, that made her voice so much more accessible. So that was a big favorite of mine. And then the other one I really loved was Naomi Novik's Uprooted, which is a very atmospheric, Russian-influenced sort of story, a fairy story, but not really. Um, And that one was also a... A big hit for me. The Kate's book is the first of a trilogy. Um, Naomi's is a standalone, which is always something I'm looking for. I love a really good standalone story that that ties it all up in one book, and she did it beautifully. So, 
those were my two. So, so two things. Number one, Kate is awesome. I, she I, is great. I love Kate. I love her writing. I love her as a person. She's just an awesome person. And and I've gotten to chat with her a couple times, and and that that's been a highlight for me because I I did love her books so much before I started doing this stuff. So that that's awesome. The the second thing that I was thinking of, what did you? I've already lost it. Oh no, the standalone novel thing. So it's interesting. Our one of our most popular episodes in 2015 was our standalone panel, which I think you were on, Gail. Yes, I I have a lot of favorite standalones. It's uh, something I'm always looking for on gravitating towards. And I, I, I do understand. I mean, I write series myself, and I totally understand that, especially right now in this current age, it's way more lucrative for an author to write a series because you hook people and then you keep them. But uh, I really love a standalone, and I actually gravitate and read a lot of romance because they write this hybrid thing where it's a standalone with shared characters. So you get a completed story, but you also know there's more with, with, you know, other side characters now becoming the main characters. Um, so series in romance means something different than series in sci-fi fantasy. And, um, so yeah. Very cool. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that that was a popular. Uh, it was. Podcast. Yeah. It was one of the most downloaded episodes of the, of the year. Uh, John, how about you? Do you have any favorite books? Um, all of my recommendations are books. They except are. One. Well, except one. Well, four, give us four two. of them are. Give us two right now, and we'll come back to you. I'll give you two right now. Okay. Um, one is actually a nonfiction book. <gasps> Gasp. Uh, that is uh, one of the additions to the Master, Modern Masters of Science Fiction collection the U of Illinois puts out, which has been almost universally disappointing. Um, <laughs> but this one's pretty good. It's uh, Edward James' book on Lois McMaster Bujold, and it's astonishingly well done. And what makes it so well done is that, kind of like the other book in the series that I like, which is Karen Burnham's book on Greg Egan, is that when you finish reading the book, you want to read that author. Hmm. You have been given you haven't been, you've been given so much sort of context and background and and sort of major thematic discussions that you're like. I need to now go read this stuff <laughs> and see what's in it. And I, I haven't read much of her science fiction. I've read most of her fantasy uh, and the <clears throat> Curse of Chalion and and the books in that world um, are really, I think, fantastic. So this was a ple- it was also a pleasure to read because obviously James really likes Bujold and he balances his sort of subjective adoration essentially with a lot of really interesting points about what she's doing with her fiction Hmm. so he talks a lot about the work of her fiction and how it's put together and how it's produced and it gives you you know insight that is both pleasurable and educational um about her work so that was great and then the other one that i'll recommend for now is i read um caitlin r kiernan's second uh volume of short fiction beneath an old dark sea and again that's it's like her writing is really, really sharp. It's it's not only clear, but it's just incisive. Hmm. And she can be by turns poetic and very deeply psychological. Um, in fact, one of my favorites in the volume is not her usual style. She does a lot of dark, expose a lot of dark psychological territory and, and writes a lot of horror. But one of her, but the story called The Steam Dancer is just basically a prose poem 
and it's just so beautifully written. So I, I like to read her work because even though it gets pretty dark sometimes, there's just both clarity and evocation are just really, I find it really stimulating. Very cool. Now, you said the, the modern Masters of Fiction reminded you of Karen's book and that Karen's book made you want to go out and read Egan. <clears throat> right. Did you then go out and read Egan? I read one. I read one Egan book, yes. And then, and then, and then your brain swelled inside your head, and you had to go <laughs> read something else for a little while to to kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, Egan's Egan's. You know, he he's he's a little difficult just because of the way that he puts things together. A little but difficult. I mean, a little. A little. Okay. He's challenging. He's very challenging. Um, so challenging. I haven't read another book by him yet. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like I said, but the great thing about the book is you, you, you know, this person's telling you all about the author and you find their enthusiasm coming through very strongly, even combined with sort of critical analysis. Sure. Um, and, you know, I already liked a lot of Bujol's work anyway, so this was even better. I mean, I haven't gone out and read a, a Miles of Orcasegan novel yet, but um, the insights were really great. And it was great to see cross connections, too between her fiction and science fiction because he focuses on the science fiction in this book but he, there's a couple chapters on on her fantasy and stuff and um there's been a, there's been a few authors like that for me too that like i'll, I'll read their fantasy and i'm, I'm completely unaware mm -hmm. of their science fiction and then when i go to try to read their science fiction i'm like no go back to fantasy well i, I feel i have a i feel that way about a couple of others one of mine was tanya huff who uh it's the opposite for me. I love her science fiction, and I find I really can't read her fantasy. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 you're fine. I mean, <laughs> uh, Modisette, Lee, Lee, Lee Modisette. I, I love his Recluse books, and I love a lot of the the, the Soprano Sorceress is still one of my favorite series. Uh, I've tried to read his science fiction, and I think that's why he doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> is because I've had such a hard time reading his science fiction, which is fine. You know, I mean, if he doesn't want to talk to me, he doesn't want to talk to me. But I, 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 I tried. You know, and, and I just I struggled with it. So I think it's a compliment to the author that they can change their voice between sub genres Boomer. so distinctly. Sure. Well, there's people who've 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 said you know that that they just they just prefer this or that, and and this is one of the reasons why, like Delilah was talking about, that that authors have pseudonyms, right? They have they have pen names that they write under, like Christine Catherine Rush. You know what you're getting if you're if you're buying a Christine Catherine Rush book versus a Chris Rush, right? Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Delilah, do you have any favorite books? Books? What are those? Those are those things yes, that. I your publisher sends you in a box and says, here's 12 copies. <laughs> yes. Okay, I do. Um, <laughs> one of my, my favorites this year was uh, Darker Shade of Magic by Victoria Schwab. Or maybe that was under V.E. Schwab. But I, I love everything she writes in that series. Just um, really, like, I love the covers. I love the characters. I love the, the prose. Um, I don't know. I tend to, I've been having this big problem this year where like, I'll read the first book in a series and be like, Oh my God, I love it. And I'll get like a hundred pages into the second book. And my love just dies like a cut flower. Like they didn't take the direction that I had hoped or it, it you know, but she seems, I, I swear it's like, she knows where I want things to go, but I always get to her second book and I'm like, yay, this is awesome. Um, so, uh, Dr. Shade of Magic. And then I've already read a gathering of shadows. I had an arc, so it, it goes on really well. 
And my other one I really liked was The Builders by Daniel Polanski, mm-hmm. which is one of the tour novellas. Um, I was asked to blurb it, and I hadn't heard. It was like I, I was like, I just, I don't know about this novella thing. I haven't heard of this guy. This is a book about animals, and I read it, and it was like one of. Sometimes you read books to give them blurbs, and you're like, okay, I can do this. Like I read this book like it was made out of chocolate, and I was starving. <laughs> like I was in the hammock, and my kids were like, we're hungry, and I'm like, no, 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 grass, whatever. I'm reading. Um, so like it was the easiest blurb I've ever written. And I was like, here's like 80 lines truncated to what you like best. But like, it's just the most fun book. It's like, it's like watership down in the old West. Um, but the, the prose is beautiful. The characters are great. And you're just like, I can't believe I care this much about animals, probably more than most of my family. Well, and it's interesting because you, you mentioned that this is from Tor, their, their E novella line, which I believe is Lee Harris. It is. It's Lee Harris. I I highly respect Lee. So okay, so Lee is awesome. Yeah, if Lee picks something, I'm 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 in. Uh, Alvaro, how about you? Just read whatever they have that Lee did. (laughs) Alvaro, how about you? Uh, As as mentioned before, I mean, most of my picks are books, so you may have to come back to me books and other other categories. Um, I also like standalone novels, and by the way, I. I, um, John was talking about the Modern Masters of Science Fiction series. I actually rather enjoyed. Jad Smith's book on John Brunner. I don't know if you read. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was okay. That was. That, it, I didn't think it was quite the level that Karen and and Edward James got to. But yeah, that was that was nice too, especially for someone who doesn't get a lot of coverage these days. Yeah, yeah. That was my. I mean, I just felt they did. No, you're right. Yep. He did a great job with. Um, um, also infusing that enthusiasm that you were talking about. You want to go out and read all these John Brunner stories and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where he'll say, oh, and then he wrote 10 more novels that month. And you're like, what? <laughs> I've never even heard of these things. <clears throat> um, anyway, so t- I guess two of my favorite novels um, were Something Coming Through by Paul McCauley and uh, Dark Orbit by Carolyn Ives Gilman. And I didn't think that they were necessarily masterpieces of science fiction, and I'm not sure that they're going to appear on um, a lot of best of lists. But I thought that they were really good. Um, for different reasons. I mean, Macaulay's, uh, I like his prose style. I think that this novel in particular did a great job of combining the sort of sense of wonder that is inherent in the exploration of new worlds with more of the grittiness of frontier life and and actual uh, exploration of strange places and, you know, adapting to life in in different environments. Um, And that's actually a little bit of the theme of Dark Orbit as well, uh, Carolyn's novel. Uh, I thought that her novel raised a lot of really interesting questions. Um, there was some interesting sort of cultural evolution in a bizarre environment type scenarios that were being played out. Um, a lot of it was about the nature of consciousness and the observer effect. I don't think that it all necessarily came quite together for me in the way that I was hoping that it would, but I just I love a novel that uh, tries to tackle things that are that profound. Um, and just aims as high as, as she did in that novel. So Very those cool. are probably my favorite novels. And then later I can talk about uh, anthologies and collections. Okay. Sarah? All I have is books okay. because that's really all I do. So um, I guess I'll do two now, and then you can either forget me or whatever later. But <laughs> I won't forget you. But, we, but you know, Jeff, Jeff and I really want to talk to you about comics here soon. So. Oh, well, let me... Let me know first, so then I can just, you know, go upstairs for a few minutes or something. 
Um, <laughs> the first one I want to talk about is Silver on the Road by Laura Ann Gilman. That one blew my mind. It was so good. I've read a lot of her stuff, but that one, I think it's her best book to date. Just, just, so you, just so you understand, somewhere right now, Paul Weimer went, no, that was my pick. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, you know. When I was getting my list ready like 10 seconds ago, I kept thinking, man, I wish Paul was on this so I could make him mad over and over again. <laughs> but, <laughs> can, can we get him on here? <laughs> I don't even think um, he's online, to be honest with you. That one, it's set in the, in the West, but she has this really interesting magic system and and the characters are phenomenal and and i just can't say enough good about that one um very very good my favorite book that i read last year was actually a novella and i keep telling everyone if you haven't read it yet you need to stop everything you're doing and just read this damn book right now it's a uh, six gun snow white by Catherine uh Val- valenti am i saying that right cat valenti yes yeah, whatever. Uh, it's by her. She's a phenomenal author. I mean, if I said it in my review. I think she could write my shopping list, and I would just read it and probably nominate it for a Hugo because this lady knows how to how to do words. Um, and and I told her that I would like to erect statues in her honor after reading this. <laughs> I and mean, this book is just that good. It is just phenomenal. It's a, a twist on this Snow White fairy tale. It's set in the West, and it's it's just wonderful. So those are my two. There you uh, go. Just to, just to throw it in there so you understand, she's also uh, pretty good at singing show tunes. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> I don't know well, if fair. I can ever ask for that. <laughs> what was what was that? That's, that's not fair that she gets to have everything. <laughs> Thank God it's not a requirement for being an author. <laughs> <laughs> You get to New York, they hand you the karaoke machine, you're like... <laughs> I'm like, oh, jeez, there I go. So much for that career. Oh, come on, you are the perfect model of a minor major general. Jeff. Hey. Hey. So, so did you I actually also... have time to read? <clears throat> yeah, I did. I got, a, I got a few books done. I got way more comics than books, but... Um, I know Yeah, uh, I, I also had Dark Orbit on my top two. Uh, the reason for me was uh, beginning of this year, I did a lot of rereads of a lot of the 90s space opera stuff that I liked, a lot of David Zindel and Linda uh, Nagata and Jeffrey Carver and stuff like that. And uh, Dark Orbit really fell into the to the vibe of that for me uh, pretty early on and kind of, uh, kind of did a very uh, somewhat modernist riff on, um, on that particular style of writing. Uh, the other book in my top two is Philosopher Kings by Joe Walton. Um, I loved Just City and Philosopher Kings kind of carried the, carried the, um, uh, uh, the voice and the style that she really nailed down in Just City and, and beefed it up a bit, much to my great enjoyment. Um, only other two books that I have are both sort of throwbacks for me. The first one was uh, Scarlet Gospels by Clive Barker, and the other one was The Border by Robert McCammon. And it was just nice reading uh, some fairly old-school horror. And in the case of The Border, it was good to read one of those good science fiction horror small-town epics. Was, was that new or was that a subterranean thing? 
That was February, January or February. Right, but um, was it a re-release that Subterranean did? Because they were re-releasing a bunch of his stuff. Wait a minute, am I getting the title wrong? I don't know. No, I'm pretty certain that was the new one that came out earlier this year. Well, I I remember that they they were doing those... um, You know how Subterranean does the limited edition hardcover stuff? They were releasing like a ton of his back catalog. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That was all, I think, in preparation for the fact that this for one this was one, coming for out. For this one, the new one. Okay. And it was the first time he had done a, a, a full-blown ensemble cast science fiction horror, like Stinger, only much bigger scope. It's about a Earth caught in the middle of a big alien war, and, and, and nasty things happen. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, interesting, interesting list so far, folks. Uh, Gail, did you have another book? No, I just picked the two. Just the two. So, so yep. what else do you? But have? I do have comics, Dad. You so have comics. I'm ready for that. I have. A, well, I have a comic. Okay, what's your comic? Uh, Rat Queens. Oh yes. So I know that the first one came out in uh, 2014, but the second one came out last year, and I picked up both of them and read them back to back. And I'm not. Uh, I mean, I was big into Marvel when I was a kid, but I, I really have kind of gotten away from comics as I've gotten older. I. Um, consumed digitally and I haven't yet found a platform that I'm comfortable joining that handles comics well so um, so I, I had to wait until Rat, King, Rat Queens was available in print and then I bought it and I really enjoyed it it's a little bit violent for my taste um, and I do wish that there were more women involved with its production or something but um, those two reservations aside, uh, I, I read them back to back right away. So clearly I must've liked something about them. If it, if it makes you feel any better, I tell you what, uh, just go out and get yourself the star Wars, the force awakens monopoly edition. No. <laughs> How's that for an answer? <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know what, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the, the electronic, uh, uh, readers is essentially for comic books. It, it, it is kind of clunky as far as I'm concerned. Jeff, do you use Comixology or something, or what do you use? I use a number of platforms. What I'm, you know, I've converted Sarah to audiobooks. Now I need to find the format that converts her to comic books. <laughs> I, you know, it's just an issue for me. Is I like to see the words. I don't want to look at the pictures. I, I don't know. Hmm. Part of the um, pleasure for me in Rat Queens was that the dialogue was good. So, uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to push comics on you. By all means, just read. But um, I really liked that <laughs> there was a, a synergistic aspect that I think older style comics don't necessarily go for. Where, as an author, what I want is to see a different tonality and voice in the different characters, even though you're given so much or so little screen time, if you will, for the wordage on each page, I still want it to feel not like there is a single author voice behind the comic, but there is a single, there is a voice for each character within the comic, much as, you know, a a really, a a decent author will handle dialogue that way. So, um, and I felt like Rat Queens actually did that, and that was, um, that was a positive for me. So, Thank you for saying that, because that's been the problem with every Marvel comic that's come out this year. Yeah, that that is often a problem. Everybody has to be a snarky smartass, and they all sound exactly like the author. So, hmm, hmm. interesting. <clears throat> I was thinking there there might be a way to get Sarah to read comics because the Force has awoken in her. Um, <laughs> so maybe send her some Star Wars comics. 
That could work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be interested in that. Okay. Oh, but be cruel. Send her the Brian Wood Star Wars comics that Dark Horse dropped. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, two, don't, three years don't ago. torture me. <laughs> those, I'm those, already those having enough Those were fun. awesome, and then Disney bought it. So. <laughs> has has um, Alan Moore done any Star Wars? N- not that I'm aware of, no. <laughs> Sorry. All right, John, uh, give me two more books. Two more books. Okay. I am going to give you an anthology edited by Anna Jeff Vandermeer called Sisters of the Revolution, which is, to call it a feminist tome is an understatement. It is really powerful, really uh, sometimes vicious, sometimes humorous, but just always really deeply affecting stories that um about about basically women's lives in fantastical contexts that's really what it boils down to who who wrote the stories oh octavia butler okay. vandana singh ellen ellen arneson james tiptree it's a mix of uh, i think reprints and and new stuff um and it just I mean there are stories in here i'd never heard of before that just kind of blew me out of the water isn't that the best um, isn't that the best yes. though? Like, like, like you have this author that you love, and then you come across a story that you've never seen before, and you're just like, <gasps> mm-hmm. "Yep, exactly." It's. I, I'm sure that happens with Gail Alvaro and Delilah's fans all the time. <laughs> it is not surprising how people are like, "Oh my god, I didn't know you had any other books or novellas," and you're like, "They're all on the Amazon." If you just search for my name, there's a click the name, you will find some more. I'm not hiding them. I swear to God. I don't. Yeah. I don't have that many. Like I think, uh, yeah, I, I I rarely get those emails. I mean, once in a blue moon, but most of the time, I just get people complaining that the three count them three short stories that I have are not available in print as a collection, and I'm basically like, three guys, three, <laughs> three. And the number not, was three. Not five not, is right out. Yes, not thou shalt not shall thou count to five. Go ahead, John. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. So I mean, was this, this was this an effort to to reprint or or to get a bunch of stories of uh, written by female authors? It is. I is it all female authors? I don't know. That's, that's what I was TS. curious. I'm about. looking at the TSC right is. now. It is. I think it is. I think it is all female authors. Okay, yes. that's cool. Oh, and that uh, that ne'er do well James Tiptree Jr. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, I was just, and you know, and a lot of times when I read an anthology and this is, this may be usually the case for a lot of people, there are stories you like and stories that, yeah, they're okay. Or maybe stories that you don't like, but it's often a mixed bag. And, right? and does the same thing happen to you that happens to me when you tell Donardo that you didn't like this story? He's like, no, that was my favorite one in the whole thing. He does that all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing about this one is, I don't think there's one I didn't engage with in the entire collection. Oh, that's cool. And it's it's a really wide variety of authors um, and time periods. I mean, there's there's stuff from the mid 20th century up to now, and they're just really um, not just wearing their hearts on their sleeve, but they're really trying to open up and share some things um, about how life works. Sure. Um, for women, again, in these fantastical contexts, some of which are very exaggerated and some of which really feel extremely, extremely realistic. So, yeah, it just, it just blew me away. I've read it twice so far. 
Um, that's awesome. And it's and it's yeah, just really they're they're such good anthologists. Um, I'm really waiting for the new their new science fiction collection to come out, um, the Big Book of SF, and see what they what they've got because they really got a lot of stuff in translation and stuff oh, and, yeah. and classics and, and sounds like a really nice mix. Very cool. So this this was definitely one of the top three books for me this year, and the other one that I will mention, um, which I guess I I thought I had mentioned it on another podcast, but I just double checked and it looks like it's not. Um, is Liz Hand's Wilding Hall, which is a novella, based sort of. It's a short novel. Um, and I actually don't have a physical copy of it, <laughs> but because I got it on NetGalley, and then, of course, NetGalley kills your books after a while because they're meanies. Um, I, I read it for a review for SF Signal, and there's this weird thing that happens with Liz Hand books. I'll start reading them, and I'll go like, am I going to like this? This is a, I don't know about this. It's kind of starting kind of whatever, slow or something like that. And then about five pages later, I'm just gone reading the book. And, you know, I come out of my trance a couple hours later and go, oh, this is really good. <laughs> um, but this one, I think, is really one of her best works because it's got a mix of subtlety, poetry, and immediacy. Like the, the combination that she juggles out of a multiple character perspective uh, sort of documentary format um, is really astonishing. And there were times when I would go, is that really relevant, that thing? And then, you know, 20 pages later, like, oh, that was really relevant. Um, She meshes everything together really well. And while it feels sometimes that the paces may be slow or the characters are rambling, everything fits together by the end. Um, and it's really creepy at the end. Like, I sort of take a step back from it and go, why is that so creepy? And then I read the, the last, you know, 30, 35 pages. I'm like, oh, that's creepy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm like, authors have done this before, but in this case, it's really creepy. So, yeah, it just, it just you know, kind of blew me away. And, it, and it's, it's interesting to say that I'm blown away by something that's really sort of a subtle a subtle work, but sure. she she totally pulled it off. And so so that's the the fourth, fifth, or sixth something like that uh, novella sized work that's made the list so far. Uh, Delilah, yes, was twenty fifteen like the the resurgence of the novella? Is that is is that format just like coming back and coming back strong? Um, it looks like, especially in science fiction and fantasy, yes, like Tor kind of busted it out, and everybody was like, oh yeah, you know, there's a couple of. Um, like there's some some of the blog sites are doing novella stuff. Um, I don't know. I my first series, the Blood series, uh, even before Wicked as They Come was out, they'd asked me to do a series of novellas. So like in romance, it was already happening, but it seems like it's becoming more prevalent in science fiction and fantasy and YA, which is awesome because it's it's so nice to see people uh, take like see the the publishers taking a chance. And that's it, book smugglers, yeah. Um, has a novella line for YA, but see the publisher's taking a chance and, you know, in a novella you can play around with things like we have these science fiction and fantasy is supposed to be about anything you dream up and any amazing thing that, you know, science and technology could do. But then we have these bizarre constraints set upon us (laughs) by publishing with what you can and cannot do. And it's very unofficial, but like, I'm sure every one of us who's a writer has had, you know, the publisher go, Oh, oh, you can't do that. Yes. I I know Um, exactly what you're talking about. And, and so, 
are, are uh, Gail just mentioned, I believe Gail mentioned that she just finished a novella writing one. Are, are, yes. Is that something that you as well, Delilah, are looking at doing? Or are you going to start doing more novellas? I I will do anything that I am paid pro rates on and get excited about. <laughs> Gail, um, same thing? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm uh, specifically doing novellas to self-publish them. Okay. I um, am a, am a inveterate control freak. Um, I'm really OCD and I'm very business and spreadsheet oriented and I have the type of personality that can go to, towards self-publishing. So uh, I have merely been cooling my heels until I got my um, non-compete clause relaxed so that I could do it. <laughs> and I finally did, so I can. Um, yeah, gotcha. in fact, I am taking a uh, not necessarily a break, but a lead lag time out of trad in order to do this. But, uh, you know, okay. I'm... I've saved up in order to cover my expenses while I do that kind <laughs> sure. of thing. So, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, I'm just trying to think. So, so, uh, and and I know this is a this is a different tangent that, that I was kind of going down here, but it just was interesting to me that so many novellas were on the list. Delilah, do you think that eBooks are are, are the reason that this is resurging? Um, I think that we're. I mean, publishing. You'd think they'd know what they were doing, but I really don't think they do. A lot of it's kind of throwing darts at watermelons in the dark. I'm so glad I wasn't taking a drink of water when you said that. <laughs> um, but so, you know, they're, they're seeing that some people like novellas are going, oh, okay, they want, they want novellas. Oh, God, oh, God, do the novellas. <laughs> and, and lots of authors. I mean, the, in the past two years, it feels like being a hybrid, you know, having, um, having some big six um, and some... Uh, I guess big five now, and then some, you know, maybe smaller publishing houses and then doing some self-publish is is the way to um, spread your seed around many verdant fields. So, you know, it's like um, I did uh, an anthology with Kevin Hearn and Chuck Wendig called Three Slices that was based on Tiromancy, which is uh, fortune telling through cheese. And like that's been some of my best money this year was <laughs> self-publishing with with these two other awesome guys. Uh, we each did stories set in our worlds, but we're like, yeah, it's based on cheese. <laughs> and yeah. I'd be willing to bet you that Kevin wrote his part uh, sitting in an old Chicago drinking a beer. I don't know. He's in Colorado, man. He's got that's some what I'm saying. store. So yes, he's he's just north of me, and he's he's already talked about it. he's found this great place as an old Chicago. But anyway, so. Uh, we should. I'm just going to interject here and say yes. that I think we ought to have a panel discussion on the rise of the novella because I think there's a lot, you know, to to be said on the subject, and okay. it would be very very interesting. Uh, John Donardo, take a note. <laughs> so, I, I'm I'm in Gail's boat in that like the the stuff that I have published myself has been novellas, and 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 I've been doing that because no one wants to give me a contract, so I don't have to worry about non competes. Come on, that was funny, Delilah. Do you yes. have do you, what? What else is favorite? Do you want to talk about books, comics, movies, TV shows? What What other two things do you want to throw on your list? Oh gosh, um, I guess um, if you move on to to TV, okay, um, that's how I unwind in the evening. I get really addicted to TV shows and watch them all like in two or three days. I'll watch an entire season. I, I have no idea what you're talking about, Orphan Black. Yeah, none of us do. See, I couldn't get into that one, and I feel guilty about it. I got no. I got into the third season and then it was it was on demand. I got into the third season and then the on demand apparently expired and they don't have it on there anymore. And I was like, no. Yeah, no, I I um, so I get in like I get into stuff late. Like I just found Deadwood this year and 
Jesus, that was the most amazing show. Um, but my, my two favorite TV shows this year were uh, Justified, <gasps> came to an end. <gasps> I know, right? My favorite Walt shows. Doggins. Oh, my, my God. Favorite shows. Yeah. And then um, Hannibal as well came Ooh, to an end. That's a good one. So those were my two like all-time favorite shows of the year. And now it's like, what what could ever possibly take their place? Without without spoiling anything for anybody, was the end of Justified satisfying? Oh, thoroughly. Like I, I have right? this problem now with TV where as a writer, I can see tricks ahead of time that I couldn't see before. Mm-hmm. And um, so lots of times I'll see where something's going and go, oh, God, you're going to do the thing. You're going to do the. And this time I was like... It, like it's it, it doesn't mean it has to be a happy ending, but a satisfying ending. Yeah, it was thoroughly satisfying. I call this sticking the landing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. I have a couple of blog posts where I'm like, here are some series that stuck it, and here are some that don't. I'm at the point in my life where I'm not going to go through the effort if I don't feel like they're going to stick it. Amen. One of the things that I do now quite often is I'll, I'll just sit with my mom and, and kind of talk to her, and she's watching TV, and and she says, I noticed that you're not watching the television you're not actually paying attention to the shows that i'm watching and it's because of that it's because i i see the tricks coming now i start to see the things and so i don't enjoy it as much mm-hmm. it's very difficult for me to watch and and it's it, 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 it all the sweeter when they stick the landing yes yeah when it, they manage to twist it properly in a series it's deeply exciting <laughs> exactly hey delilah what did you think about the ending of hannibal um i loved it I loved. I didn't want it to end. I wanted it to go on, but um, I thought that what they did was uh, it. It had morphed so much from from the original Thomas Harris books that the world that they created, I, I was satisfied by it. And right. you know, at first I was like, "Oh, you know," I, and then a couple days later, I was like, "That was kind of haunting and beautiful, and I'm cool with it." <laughs> I think I got stuck at that first reaction. Like, oh. I mean, I I'm staring at a picture of Hannibal on my wall right now. <laughs> Did you want to immediately rewatch it or reread it? Because I'm finding with books that's like a big factor for me in whether something hits the list is Love like of my best of. I haven't reread anything since I started writing. There's just oh. so much. I'll go to back to read something and I'm in a different place. So I, I didn't, but it's like I it's almost like like that that love affair you had when you were a teen that was so sweet and it ended and you were like, I don't think that I'd want to date that guy again right now. I feel that way about some books, but some books I'm like, yes, I want to go back. I want to be young again. <laughs> well, I, as, as Sarah and I were talking about earlier, I, have, I went back to Leviathan Wakes twice because I just loved it so much. I'm going to read that series or Ty Frank's going to smack me. Yeah, and he will too. He's mean. <laughs> <laughs> He's not mean. They're two of the nicest guys in the world, both of them. Sure. Uh, Alvaro. You had two more books? Yeah, sure. So John, um, his recommendation was one of mine uh, as well. The feminist anthology um, well, Sisters you, of the you Sisters fail. of the Revolution. You fail. <laughs> well, actually, what I want to do for that one is I want to commit the unpardonable sin, which I hope you'll all pardon, of quoting myself from the review that I wrote <laughs> on Sisters of the Revolution for SF Signal. No, Intergalactic Medicine Show. <sighs> that one. God. Um, but to John's point, it's a very hard hitting anthology and, uh, this way I'll spare you having to read the whole review. I'll just take you to the relevant section of it. (laughs) Uh, tonally, many of the stories sizzle with anger and dip into despair. More than one features body horror and gruesome physical transformations or violent and volatile emotional landscapes. 
I'll admit that as I started turning the pages, I braced myself for provocation for narratives that would bash my brain and hatchet my heart. I shouldn't have bothered putting up a fight. A dozen pages in, I'd been wrestled to the ground. So be it. If fiction provides empathy, and empathy is a recommended staple of one's emotional diet, consider this anthology a megadose of literary vitamins. There you go. <laughs> Love that book. Um, but I'm not sure that I would be able to read it again quite like as quickly as uh, John was. <laughs> um, it was. It was a little brutal. It was. It was very brutal. The other anthology I wanted to recommend, uh, recently published, is Jonathan Strand's Meeting Infinity. This is uh, very different in tone. Obviously, it's not; it doesn't set out to be a feminist um, anthology. It's mostly hard and very hard science fiction, and I just think it's a. It it seems to me, right after reading it, so I'm you know I'm kind of defying time to prove me wrong, but it really feels like a canonical, quintessential science fiction anthology. Um, and for the for the geeks among us who like to do a little bit of analysis on year's best type statistics, I was looking through the table of contents. There are 16 stories in Meeting Infinity. Uh, four of them are going to be republished in Neil Clark's The Best Science Fiction of the Year, Volume 1. Uh, four different stories are going to appear in Dezois' Year's Best Science Fiction, 33rd. And two other stories are going to appear in Year's Best Science Fiction Fantasy 2016, edited by Rich Horton. So it's basically half the book is being reprinted right from the... So, okay. so what you're telling me is Dotlow passed. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's what I said. <laughs> if that's how you want to translate it in your twisted brain, Patrick. <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd highly recommend that. And then just uh, two brief mentions... Clifford Simak, uh, Golden Age science fiction writer who actually wrote well beyond the Golden Age, I Am Crying All Inside is the first volume of a projected 14 volumes of collected short stories. Holy crap. Um, I don't know that they'll all be you know up to par, but the first one was a really nice entry into the series. And it's not in chronological order, so you actually get a really nice mix of um, you know different sort of literary approaches and markets and periods. And that book has a story that's never been published before because it was intended for uh, Harlan Ellison's infamous Last Dangerous Visions, which was never published. FYI, you mentioned his name, so you owe him two bucks. Uh, okay, you can write him that check, and then I'll mail it off to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then speaking of novellas, there was a collection of four, um, I think they were mostly novellas, Tom Purdom. He published a book called Romance on Four Worlds, a Casanova Quartet, and I thought that was uh, that was very fine as well. Very cool. Sarah, are you back? Yes, I am back. So, what would you like to add to your list? <laughs> All right, so I just finished one a Thank, few oh, days hold ago. On, hold, on, hold on, Thank you, Alvaro. Go ahead, Sarah. Sorry. I just finished one a few days ago that really surprised me. I've never read anything by this author before, but I saw it on a lot of lists, so I figured I should take a chance. But it's called The Drafter by Kim Harrison. The what? The Drafter. Drafter? Is in D-R-A-F-T-E-R? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of this... God, I don't even know. It, It had a real minority report feel to it, but... I, I don't think I've ever read a book that had that many like betrayals and just plot twists and stuff in it in my life. I it was 
it kind of blew my mind. It's really intense and it's kind of this time travel memory thing and it's psychological, but it's, it's political and it's all over and it's fantastic. And Minority Report, that was the, they made a movie of that, right? With uh, Tom Cruise? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I think, I think that was Leonardo's like favorite movie of all time. He puts that above Blade Runner in a lot of places. Well, it was really good, and it, it surprised me quite a bit, so that's definitely one. Um, the other one, God, I just feel really awkward talking about this book. But, you know, I don't know. So, anyway, Wake of Vultures, and I don't know if I should talk about it like Delilah's not here or if she is here, but <laughs> this is just really freaking weird. Well, given, <laughs> given, given that dolphins are now going, what the hell was that? So, so here, here's the thing, Sarah, I've, I've actually done a, uh, we had Delilah on functional nerds. And so I've done a, like a, a video conference call with her before and she gets this gigantic smile on her face. <laughs> and I can tell you right now, I guarantee you, she has that giant smile on her face right now. Lots of gum. Lots of gum. <laughs> That book was amazing. I don't even know how you thought of it. It just was everything that I wanted and more. And I'm so glad there's going to be more. So that one, I I kind of, I wanted to mention it first off, but then I thought, well, this is just really weird because she's actually here and I don't know how to (laughs) do this. But (laughs) Well, and and I guarantee you she's also sitting there doing her best Palpatine going, good, good, (laughs) yes. Yeah, I, I read it in a day. It, it's from really my books good. in the wild, so this is like this is this is gonna fill that slot in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. So awesome! You got one more? Uh, sure, I can I can check out another one. Okay. Um, I want to. How about the Grace of Kings by Ken Ken Liu? Is that how you say it? Yes. I don't. Ken Liu. I I don't know. Is that the uh, one? Is that the one he translated? No, no, this is actually his. Once okay. he wrote, yeah, I listened to the audiobook version of it, and it was phenomenal. He, uh, I've been kind of burned out on epic fantasy recently. I kind of feel like it's a lot of the same old, same old, and and he he took a genre that I'm kind of exhausted with and totally reimagined it. It's it's like a far east feel really layered tons of texture fantastic world building uh it it had it all i was i was really pleased with that one very cool jeff hey what else you got Uh, i got some comics okay what do you got in comics uh i got a tie for three for my top comics of the year i actually am discounting a lot of books that uh either haven't made it to the halfway point of their story yet or just recently started. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, list paper girls or monstrance or uh, survivors club by, uh, Lauren Bukes, uh, Bukes. They, they all pretty much just started, but those, those are also very good and will probably be on my list next year. Um, my top three though, number one, uh, out and ahead of everybody else by an order of magnitude is Red Sonia by Gail Simone and Walter Giovanni. Um, I love Gail I, Simone. She does such a good job with Red Sonia. I tried, I really, you know, I try to wean myself off of licensed properties when it comes to comics, but that book, she has done so much with that book. 
pacing down to the down to the to the, to the level of, of of the panel layouts. She she redefined the character. I mean, she, she just did. she just said she screw. Did. She said screw everything that ever came before. This is the way it is. She did, and she's done it so utterly well. And the fact that there have been other Red Sonia titles at the same that, time, yeah, that Dark Horse has put out that have just ridiculously paled by comparison um, to what she's doing there. And Red Sonia was also involved in the Swords of Sorrow, the big crossover of all the female protags and sidekicks that that uh, Gail wrote for uh, them, where they had. Uh, Irene Adler and 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 uh, 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 every every the female Cato and uh, uh, every, everybody just about every female from pulp and science fiction in this one big multi-dimensional crossover. And while that was a lot of fun, it certainly didn't reach nearly the the just the dramatic texture that she did. Um, and the other th- the other thing that's been really amazing about it is that. Maybe three out of every four issues, you do end up with a fight, and there are some, you know, non-combat issues, but uh, she's made them all so utterly non-formula, and there's actually strategy involved and stuff like this. It's just been fascinating to read. Um, but yeah, that's that's rapidly at the top of my list. I haven't heard anything about her ever leaving the book, but I really hope it's not soon because she's gotten to a point with the character now that I that I. I want a lot more, and I'm, there's many characters who's come up, and so I, I eagerly await. Um, the other two books that are on my top three for comics, and I've got quite a few that are on here, but my top three: uh, Warren Ellis and Declan Shavley did a book called Injection, which is this very odd thing about this sort of secret organization that has to help stop the the uh, the influx of magic into into England. And it was a little Lovecraftian, and it was a little Ian Fleming, and it was a little uh, uh, it, it dipped into a lot of different sandboxes. Uh, but it was really good. Um, had a lot of great ensemble characters. About half of the characters really haven't been fully developed to where they need to be yet. Um, but the ones that we've, the ones that have been showcased so far, have done an excellent job. And it's probably my favorite Ellis book since. Uh, uh, probably uh, Global Frequency. Uh, and the last one really came out of left field for me. I really wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, and that was Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham did Nameless, which is another slightly Lovecraftian thing about an artifact that appears near Earth in the space mission that goes up to deal with it. Um, it was really creepy, had this great imagery of these high-tech spacesuits covered in all these uh, uh, tribal... Uh, iconography and glyphs and runes and stuff like that, and it was heavy duty, and it more than made up for the for the abundant awfulness of Multiversity, which was Grant Morrison's other major project for the year, which was just an atrocious, gorgeous to look at, but just an atrocious thing to read and not have a headache. Awesome. So. Well, good list. Uh, believe it or not, folks, we've been talking for about an hour or so. I want to wrap it up and and kind of get us out of here so Gail can go have dinner. So uh, let's do some final thoughts on 2015. Anything else you want to throw out there, Gail? Is that a no? <laughs> she's eating already. <laughs> uh, she might be. She may have left. Or she's on mute. I don't know. Uh, John, how about you? Anything else you want to throw out there before I let you go? Uh, yeah, I had one comic, okay. um, which was Brian K. Vaughn's The Private Eye. 
which was just oh, collected Friday two weeks before the end of the year. Watching you. <laughs> that is such a creepy song. That song is terribly creepy. No, it's okay. It's the 80s. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Um, I just want to throw that out there because I read a fair number of comics this past year, but a lot of them were not 2015. Okay. Um, because well, the primary way I get my comics is people bring graphic novels into the bookstore and I swipe them and bring them home. Gotcha. Well, and, so. and, and, and I did when, uh, when Fred was thinking about being on the podcast before some stuff happened at his house with electricity, uh, he had asked me if it was just something that came out in 2015 or something consumed that I was actually going to do consumed in 2015, but it didn't, didn't quite work out that way. Gotcha. So, but that's okay. Um, but it was super. It was Good. really well done. It didn't. It lacked. I mean, it's hard to not compare it to um, another science fictional comic that Brian Cavon has done mm-hmm. that some people seem to admire. Um, but it was a much more re- remarkably grounded, but still very trippy and very focused on talking about significant issues, but not in sort of a ham-handed or hectoring kind of way. It was very just cool. a lot of fun, and yeah, very cool. Awesome, Gail, are you back? Am, am I back? Yes, you are. Good. We oh, can hear you. hooray! <laughs> so you oh. want you want to throw out some podcasts? I did, uh, and I, I, of course, Patrick. This one is the best one ever. <laughs> well, thank so you. So just make make sure we get that clear. Um, but I did find I did add two ones to my roster, and I think both of them actually did start in 2015. Okay. Um, and the first one might be pertinent to people who listen to this podcast, which is Ditch Diggers. Um, it's Murr and Matt's new business of writer business of writing podcast. So Murr Lafferty has her I Should Be Writing podcast, which is kind of more like the emotional starter new writer sort of podcast. Well, this one is more in depth for for people into the business side, and we reveal all of our trade secrets there. And it, it's just as a side note and as a funny story. So at, at WorldCon, they did a live recording. And I went to see them, and my friend JT was there, and they asked – they were doing uh, like a role-playing something or other. Yes. And, and uh, Aliette de Bedard was up there and Kate Elliott and some other people. And they were, they were asking for something like a, like, a, like a contract dispute or something weird that had happened. Oh, yes. You outed him. JT actually outed me. Oh, he, he told JT my story. Oh, he okay. told my story. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> dude, are you seriously? And I'm looking at him and it, it was just hilarious. So anyway, anyway, yes, Ditch Diggers is great. We love Matt and Murr. And then the other one, which uh, people might not know about, uh, but is tangentially important to the writer lifestyle, is a podcast called Doughboys, which is essentially a couple of stand-up comic types who talk about chain restaurants. (laughs) And uh, the reason I mention it is because, personally, the only time I eat at chain restaurants is when I'm traveling. But I travel quite a bit, and they're often the only option. And so I listen to Doughboys, so now I know what's good and what's not good for ordering. so, yeah, those are the, the two that I found this year, and um, I really am enjoying both of them well, very and, much. And I'll throw out an honorable mention as well, Beyond the Trope. And and I met them through you, Gail. Yes, they're they're awesome as well. They're, they're, I, they're wonderful. And, and I spent an entire weekend with them at Mile High Con, and uh, to their credit, they still talk to me. So <laughs> that, that just shows how, how awesome they are. All righty. Uh, Alvaro, anything else you want to throw out there? 
Yeah, probably too much of it, so I'll go quickly. <laughs> That's what the comments section is for on the blog post, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, I really am enjoying The Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy 2015. Joe Hill and jo John Joseph Adams edited that. Um, I just think they did a really good job of sort of curating the field and literally going through thousands and thousands of stories to call some really interesting um, pieces of fiction. Um, two darker things that I wanted to mention, Dale Bailey's novel, The Subterranean Season, and a novella by uh, Nathan Ballingrid called The Visible Filth. I thought those were very good as well. Um, two horror movies that I watched recently and enjoyed, We Are Still Here and Goodnight Mommy. Um, Four movies that most of you will have probably seen, Ex Machina, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, and Jurassic World. Those, I enjoyed all those. Uh, three movies that are not actually science fiction, Sicario, Steve Jobs, and The End of the Tour. They all have some weird associational kind of SF things, but they're definitely not SF. And probably one of the favorite things that happened in science fiction for me End of the year, just recently, the LA Times published a review, which was a pretty harsh review about Star Wars Force Awakens, which, again, I have not yet seen. And uh, there's a lot to argue with in the review, but there was one line that really stuck with me. I don't know if it's true or not, but I, it's, it's one of those lines that I'll remember for a long time. The reviewer said, for Disney, Star Wars will be the gift that keeps on giving, and you, the consumer, are the mark who keeps paying. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to think about that for a while. They there's also a, an article out right now called The George Awakens. Oh, I haven't seen that one. And it's talking about how uh, because of The Force Awakens, people are taking a different look at George Lucas's career and his past and mm -hmm. the things that he've done, and they're looking at it through a more artistic lens. So I found that kind of interesting. It's almost like he's 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 coming into some sort of. Uh, twilight of his life where he's he's looked upon as this elder statesman artsman kind of guy i don't know that's funny but I, I, to me to me it it was all summed up with with an interesting thing that happened at the kennedy center honors and if you if you've seen the aretha franklin video um if you if you rewind a little bit you'll see that they also honored george lucas there and uh I, I found it incredibly interesting that they, they did a little bit about his movies and then they said, you know, he had a huge impact with his music. And they started going into the music of Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff like that. And if you look very carefully in the audience at the Kennedy Center, you can see John Williams flipping him off. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Delilah, anything yeah. else you want to throw out there? Um, I, I was going to say Mad Max, but that's been covered. No, that was a good movie. That was a good that's movie. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Um, I, I'll suggest a young adult book I recently read that kind of stuck with me, uh, which is The Scorpion Rules by Aaron Bowman. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like a, you know, dystopia was the thing, but it's a, it's more of a like, hey, if America ran out of water and put the AIs in charge, what would happen? Also goats. <laughs> now, were there men who trained the goats? Uh, no, um, children are forced to, uh, you know, tend the goats and like they're, they're the children of kings and queens being held hostage and, and yet their life is more about, you know, getting the goat out of the tree and making sure that, you know, the watermelons don't get plundered. <laughs> All right. Uh, who haven't I called? Sarah. Yes, uh, I'll be fast, but, um, 
I think Linda Nagata's series Thread really deserves to be recognized. She uh, she really did something amazing with that one. The three books are out right now. I think they were all published in 2015, and uh, and I think this series is done. But but she definitely put herself on my radar, and she's an insta buy for me now. And she it it's phenomenal. It's military sci-fi kind of near future stuff but don't let that put you off it's amazing um what else i you know and and i'm not really an urban fantasy fan but i think ml brennan's series generation v needs some recognition too her last book dark ascension came out last year and i think it was the best one in the series but she is kind of taking a lot of the things that kind of exhausted me with urban fantasy and twisting them and making them her own thing. And, and it's a lot of fun and it's hilarious and it's just really good. So I think that's one that people should pay attention to. Well, and, and, and if I'm not mistaken and, and Delilah and Alvaro and, and Gail might appreciate this. Didn't she just announce that the, the first book just earned out, earned out. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, nice. that's awesome. Good for her. Wait, yeah. who's the who's the series through? Who's the publisher? Um Generation V? I can oh. look it up real fast. Um, yeah, it's not it's not important. I'm just curious. It's it's not Tor, right? No. No. Interesting. I, I think Penguin's the one who sends me the books, but I'm not sure Let's see. Which here. I can tell you in a second. Rock, yeah. Yep, Rock. Published in May of 2013. Cool. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's a neat accomplishment. It is the the one that's worth drinking at, really. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you have, Sarah? Anything else? Uh, you know, I'm I could probably throw some more out, but I think we're good. Well, wait, Planetfall by Emma New- Newman. I, that one needs to be mentioned. That was quite incredible. Okay. Um, very unique and and i think i'll shut up now well we so. love emma emma's awesome <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh jeff yeah a couple things real quick this year an actual dc book uh caught my interest omega men by tom king and tony cypress i've really really enjoyed uh revolution space opera goodies uh lots of fun um i also really like brian wood and eduardo Francisco, we're doing a book based in the Eve video game universe called uh, Valkyrie, which is pretty much him picking up the fighter pilot, fighter pilot Leia story that he had to abandon with uh, the Star Wars book that he had with Dark Horse before Disney bought it. Um, ex- excellent, excellent military uh, combat type book with lots of funky, weird psychological stuff going on. I really, really would have would have put. Uh, Thor on the list by Jason Aaron and Russell Dodderman. I really would have because Jason Aaron has done an amazing job writing it, but the book was ruined by the fact that it's another goddamn story about Malekith, and Malekith is such a bad, pointless, useless villain that could have the floor should have been wiped with him in the first issue, and he keeps being dragged out as a major threat. Um, only TV I really stood out for me this year was Sensate at the beginning of the year, and I look forward to season two. So Awesome. Uh, is that everybody? John, did I get you? Uh, yep, you did. Okay, so I'm then, then I want to thank everybody. I want to throw out some things really, really quickly that were just from my list, just for fun. Uh, things that I discovered in 2015 that I enjoyed on television, Penny Dreadful. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. 
I so loved good. that show. So beautiful. Yes. And then uh, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, Supergirl. Yeah. Limitless, believe it or not, was a, is an excellent show. I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Orphan Black is the other one that I got into and, and like super binged. Jessica Jones, right? Come on. People had to love Jessica Jones. I can't see anything until it's on DVD. Okay, gotcha. Well, I don't know if Jessica Jones will ever be on DVD. It's a Netflix. Ah! It's Netflix, right? It's their exclusive. Oh. I don't know if they release their stuff. Maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, movies, The Martian was awesome. Mad Max was awesome, yes. Jurassic World was awesome. Uh, the Force Awakens was an interesting movie. Uh, <laughs> comics, I'm going to throw in Jim Butcher's Downtown. I, I, I love that he's doing original stories for them with uh, Dresden. And this one had Dresden and Molly having to go downtown. So it was, it was cool. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, books, go to atfmb.com and just look at my list. I'm not going to re- read everything here because I'm making Donardo, and he doesn't even know it. He, he's, he's creating a list of everything that you guys have said with HTML and links to all the things to Amazon and all the images and stuff for me as we're recording this. So I didn't have to take any notes whatsoever, which is awesome. Yes, he doesn't do that for me. <laughs> 2015 was a very weird year, I think, for a lot of people. I noticed, especially on Facebook, as I as I was looking, you know, as as the weird shit's happening to me, I go to Facebook to to start to type things out and go, oh my god, my life sucks. And I see that everybody else is having a ton of problems too. So it just seemed like a really weird year. So hopefully, 2016 is going to be way way better. You're here for everybody you know 2016 yeah. is going to be the first year in five years i have not had cancer so it can't it, awesome. it can't get any better than yeah. that so yes yes and apparently um you have you have a above average child who's going to oh rule the world God. it's freaking killing me so <laughs> i'm trying to change her diaper and she rolls over halfway through and kicks the poop everywhere it's wonderful <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can't have this conversation. <laughs> oh, this is acceptable. This Not is where you draw the line. This I is where you draw the line. Gone. I all of my friends had have children right now, and there will be no conversation that addresses excrement. None. None. No. Well, shit. Nada. <laughs> and I would like to take this moment to, uh, we have an announcement. Uh, apparently Gail has finally decided to flee California like everybody else around her and come to a real state. <laughs> oh, I wish. I yeah, wish. she's like, no. No, you guys, I discovered RWA. Yes, and, I know. And now I don't have to leave. I know. Well, I want to thank everybody for coming on tonight. This has been awesome. It's always so much fun, and I love talking to everybody and just hanging out, um, especially when Donardo doesn't interrupt us, which is awesome. <laughs> so thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. Happy 2016. Happy 2016. Indeed. And scene. Good Yay. job, folks. That was good. Sorry, I just had to come off mute for that. <laughs> <laughs> back 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 into your cave get back go get back sheesh that's why you have to keep a torch and flint and tinder you know to keep him you know a little bit of fire and he goes back in the hole thank you for listening to the hugo award-winning sf signal podcast your host is patrick hester an author a blogger and a functional nerd 
His website is www.atfmb.com, which stands for All Things From My Brain. ATFMB is also his Twitter handle and where you can find him on Facebook. Our podcast is available for download every week at sfsignal.com or via iTunes. Look for the links to subscribe in the sidebar at sfsignal.com or search SF Signal in iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends and their friends and so on and so on. Visit the Hugo Award-winning sfsignal.com for all of your speculative fiction needs. John D. and the SF Signal regulars offer up new content every day, from weekly mind melds featuring your favorite authors, editors, and artists from the SF&F field, to book reviews, original articles and essays, fiction deals, movie reviews, videos, links and roundup posts, and more. Click the RSS button in the sidebar of your browser to ensure you never miss a post. The SF Signal podcast is powered by the Functional Nerds. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Angry um, robot. It's like talking to a child. Magic wooey. Thinking and crap. I don't even know what hey. the horseman is. And scene, you bastard.